0: If you were here last week, you heard a great message called There is a Sound from, from Pastor Amy uh, Sitch, and she did an incredible job. And I, I kind of today want to want to bring a little, little uh, kind of a tag team to, to that message. If you didn't get to listen to it, go to calvary.online, listen to that message. It's profound. Um, but today I, I want to um, uh, kind of Kind of bring a book into it, and maybe bring some practical steps so that we can walk in the sound of victory. Now you won't understand uh, uh, the connection of this sermon until the very, very end. So stay plugged in, and I'll I'll show you how it how it connects to this story in Exodus uh, chapter seventeen. This week I I traveled with uh, Pastor Todd Bemis to his. uh, to Buffalo uh, to meet with a, a a pastor up there just uh, uh, just really connecting relationally with with some churches up there and uh, you know we got there Thursday night and um, I don't know if anybody in Florida has ever met anyone from New York State okay but the conversation will quickly turn to food. usually followed by florida has terrible pizza <laughs> now you know i uh you know i i love the word of god which says do all things without complaining so i'm good hungry howie's is fine with me all right uh but you know you go to buffalo and they're like hey you got This is the home of the chicken wing. This is where it came from. But the pizza, right? And I'm like, okay, fine. So we land. We go to Muscarellas. That's Maria's brother's restaurant. And it's perfect because it's like, all right, we're going to give you a pizza and real buffalo wings on the night that the NFL is kicking off with my favorite team playing, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, so, so after all of this talk of, of, of pizza and wings, you know, and we eat the pizza, and I took a bite and I'm like, you weren't complaining this whole time, you were right. Our pizza is terrible. <laughs> and uh and eating the wings, it was it was awesome. Uh, but then we we go into the room, and I probably haven't watched a full football game. I don't even know if I watched all of the Super Bowl uh last year. Uh, but I watched this whole football game with uh uh Maria's father, um, and I noticed something. He was violently rooting against. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His team isn't even playing. I mean, they—you know—you know—they are Buffalo Bills fans. I don't know if we understand what it means to be a fan. Oh, God bless you. We're praying for your deliverance. Um, but it was incredible. Here he in this game, which he hasn't, his team is not in it, he is violently rooting against not our team, one man. <laughs> one man who over the years has such has has released such great sorrow over that region. It had nothing to do with our great Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but all about that senior citizen at quarterback. (laughs) We watched the whole game. Dallas, this unlikely team, takes the lead with about a minute and a half to go. And all of the complaining, it went silent. And he put his head in his hand and he said that's too much time. (laughs) That's too much time. I'm like, man, this guy. And of course, exactly what he said, Tom comes in the game and leads him down the field. They kick the field goal and win, and he gets up, and he's like, well, you know, it really didn't matter to me anyway. (laughs) And, um, you know, when I was preparing for this message, I thought about this, this funny scene that uh, as a Buffalo Bills fan, they had had this history of this one guy coming through and consistently defeating their team. And I couldn't help but think that sometimes Satan must feel that way. That every time he thinks... He has got the church defeated. And time doesn't come to an end. Lucifer puts his head in his hand and says, that's too much time. (laughs) That's too much time for the Son of God to bring victory. That's too much time. There's, there's still time left for victory. I want you to know that in, in a small way, the way people will be celebrating today as their team wins or as they groan in defeat, in, in a small way, I want you To begin to understand that there is a sound of victory that God wants to release in the church. And that, that sound is connected not only to something natural, but something supernatural. I want to take you through this story today. And by the end, you'll understand why this is titled The Sound of Victory. It's from... Exodus chapter 17, we'll begin in verse 8, and it says, Now, uh, some versions say the Amalekites, Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. This is a wonderful time in the history of Israel because uh, God has brought them out of Egypt. He has dealt with the greatest empire on the earth at the time, the Egyptians. Now, in terms of uh, biblical history, uh, we need to understand what kind of deliverance this was, it was enormous. And at this time, they've, they've experienced the Red Sea. They have, they have now begun to be fed by God but with manna. They are they're actually drinking water from a rock. They have watched God heal uh, soured waters and the waters become sweet. They, they're now beginning in the early stages of walking in what God has for them. But suddenly, there is an attack. Suddenly, there's a speed bump in this road to liberty, in this road to promise. And today, I want to I share something with you about what we need to do in order to move into victory. Pastor Amy said something very profound. It says, we must move from the place of realizing truths to actually uh, appropriating truth. That means that we not only know the truth, but we experience the truth and it is then written on our lives and becomes who we are. That is what real victory is. And so in order to move into this victory and to release the sound of victory, there's just a couple of points I want to, to draw from Exodus 17. The first one is this. We need... To know what the enemy is after. Why did the attack come at this point? I mean, after all, if I was an army and and I was a general, the last thing I would do is go up and fight an army after they've defeated Egypt. I mean, who do I think I am as the Amalekites if they've defeated the greatest army on the planet? Why this attack at this point? Well, here's why. Verse 8. Now, the Amalekites came and fought fought with Israel in Rephidim. Now, at first glance, it's just kind of a unique name. But names in the scripture possess meaning. And the name of this place is rest. Rest. The idea is peace. He's saying the Amalekites came and declared war. To keep Israel out of rest. Israel was done with Egypt. Egypt in the Old Testament is the greatest type and shadow of sin. It's, it's talking about the slavery, the bondage of sin. They have now turned their back on this life of slavery. They're walking in the liberty that God has provided them. And yet, after that deliverance, Satan comes to attack the people of God to get them out of rest listen church if you don't understand what the enemy is after in this hour i have been sent on a mission to declare to you he is not after your rights as an american he is after your rights as a son or a daughter of god to enter in to rest and peace and trust in confidence in god The enemy will always try to get you out of rest because rest is the way of the kingdom. Did you know that? Now, I'm not saying, no, by the way, unemployment is not the way of the kingdom. (laughs) Some of y'all connected the dots there. Wrong. No, you should work or you shouldn't eat. You should be real skinny if you're not working. The enemy tries to get us out of rest, which is a beautiful internal rest. You know, the scripture says that there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from all his works, as God did from his. Let us, therefore, listen to these words. Be diligent to enter that rest. Be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience, We need to be diligent to stay in the place of rest and peace in an hour when the enemy is waging war on us. The mistake that we tend to make is that when the enemy begins to wage war, we start to fight like he's fighting. And we're not called to do that. We're supposed to be diligent to stay in peace. Let me, give you, let me say it to you this way. The way of the kingdom is grace. The way of the kingdom is grace. You know what grace is? Grace is a couple of things. Uh, it is, uh, very simply put, God's undeserved favor and loving kindness toward us when we didn't deserve it. That's what grace is. It is God's undeserved favor. And loving kindness toward us, especially when we first believe. When you first believe, man, you you are saved by grace through faith. It's undeserved favor. Can I just tell you that the kingdom way is exactly the opposite of flesh. Your flesh, listen, desires works. It desires works. Within your relationships, if they do this, then I'm doing this. Some of you have experienced a heartache and and betrayal. And uh, you've got these people in your mind that you don't like, that you never see, but you're always arguing with in your car while you're driving alone. (laughs) You're having conversations with these people. They don't know it but you are in your head because your flesh is like, well, you know, they did this and now I'm going to say that and if they said that, I'm going to say this and your flesh is going, works, works, works. And then what what does God say? No, the way of the kingdom is not giving people what they deserve. It's giving people what they need. And this is the way of the kingdom. Striving in the flesh Listen, church, leads to weariness. Resting in God's goodness and grace leads to an overcoming persistence. Isaiah 26 says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Those, those two words, perfect peace, are actually the same word in Hebrew, but it up together. It is shalom, shalom. It is, God is saying, you will keep him in perfect soundness, nothing missing, nothing broken, everything in place. Who's the one who keeps his mind on you and not on the crisis? Not on the circumstance. We as the body of Christ have to, have to learn how to operate within the chaos of culture. And yet live above it by setting our minds on Christ who is above. Psalm 55 Verses 16 through 18 says this, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I'll pray and cry aloud, and he will hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul, notice these words, in peace. From the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. I want to tell you, church, today is the day where we need to say, God I'm grateful for your grace. I'm just going to simply position myself before you and allow you to do for me what I could never do for myself. Church, we don't need to be in striving. We need to move into abiding. We need to understand what the enemy is after. He's after your peace. He wants to get you out of the place of rest. Secondly, now that I have convinced you that you need to rest, point number two, we have to fight. They seem contrary, and yet they are, they are not mutually exclusive. We have to fight. Verse 9 says, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men to go out and fight With the Amalekites, tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and and he fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur, they went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Can I just tell you that the battle that you are in right now, The struggle that you are facing, it is not only natural, but it is also supernatural. There is a supernatural component to what you have been going through. I believe there's a supernatural component to the crisis that this world has been under. And that we must learn how to rightly engage in this battle if we're going to live in the fullness of God's peace and God's grace. Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this: For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, they're not fleshly. Um uh, They're not of human origin, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice where Moses went. Moses went to the top of the hill. He said, Joshua, get down in the valley. I need to get up on the top of that hill. Because if we are going to experience the victory in the flesh, we must win the war in the heavens. We must win the war. And that's what 2 Corinthians says. The the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What are strongholds? Most of us think when we hear that word, we get kind of spooked out and think, wow, a stronghold is a coven of demons. It is not. A stronghold is a system of thought that gives Satan access to your life. It is thoughts and beliefs we have embraced that Satan uses as an open door, as permission to come in. But aren't you glad that God says we've got some weapons to pull down every stronghold and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I love this. don't, Don't, listen to me. This is the devil's plan. You're going to have to learn to fight. The devil's plan is to have you build your theology off of circumstance. Well, I know what the Bible says, but circumstance, reality, as we heard last week, You know, this fact. Can I just tell you? There's a different kind of weapon. That says, no, no, no. I am able to pull down every high thing that exalts itself over the knowledge of Christ. The revelation of Christ. Listen, this is truth. And faith plus truth. Changes the facts. I love this. What you do in secret releases the unseen to change your circumstance. You need to learn how to fight. In Matthew, Jesus teaches us how to war like Moses did. He said these three things in this order. He said, give in secret. And I will reward you openly. That's Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew 6, 4. Two verses later, he says, pray in secret, and I will reward you openly. few verses later, verse 18, he says, fast in secret, and I will reward you openly. You know what he's saying? Get on the hill. Get on the hill, church. Don't think that you will possess peace in your recliner. If you are not properly positioned and warring as God says to war, you will be defeated. God is saying, church, it's time to get into the secret place of generosity, of prayer, and fasting. And watch me produce victory in the natural because something got shifted in the supernatural. Let me give you this kind of final point. Not only do we need to know what the enemy is after, not only do we need to fight. Listen, this is very important. My heart has been weighed down with this truth. We need to fight together. We need to fight together. And in Exodus it says, but Moses' hands became heavy. Anybody ever been there before? Feel like you got a call of God? You've got supernatural power. He's, he's holding what is called the rod of God. He has seen the Red Sea split and the drowning of an army. And yet in this moment, with less of an army, his hands are weary. What's God's answer? For the weary-handed church. Let me show you what it is. It's Aaron and Hur. It says, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands. One on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steadied until the going down of the sun. Let me openly declare this to you. We need each other. And I'm going to say some things to you which will confront some of the ideals that are connected uh, uh, to our culture. Which actually makes us so exceptional as a nation. I believe from this passage I can draw this conclusion. There are some battles you will never win by yourself. So if this happens to be the one Sunday a month you come. Can I just, can I pastor you for a moment? And you're wondering why I'm not getting the victory. Could it be that you left the help God sent to you to walk you into the victory that he wants you to walk in, but you can never walk in by yourself? You cannot possess every victory God wants you to have if you choose. To walk outside of fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I see it here clearly. Do I believe it was God's will for Joshua to win against the Amalekites that day? You better believe it. But my Bible says that when his hands grew heavy and his arm went low, the Amalekites prevailed. What was God's answer? Fighting together. And it goes against the culture. Don't, don't, don't pull out your wallet and show me your introvert card. I don't care. No, no, no. You carrying that card as an excuse to dislike people. You don't get away with that in the kingdom. Introvert refers to how you recharge. Recharge. That means you go away and you recharge alone, and you come back out and live in the fruit of the spirit. Extrovert means you come out naturally caffeinated. Yes. <laughs> and I can't wait to be around all of these people, and then when God makes you go sit down and lay down, you're like, "Oh man. <laughs> has to do with the way that you recharge. I'm telling you, there are victories that you will never win sitting at home or at Disney or camping or at the beach. You know what's going to happen? Come about Tuesday, your hands are going to get heavy. And I'm here to tell you today that we're living in an hour where we need some brothers and sisters who will hold up our arms till we possess every victory Jesus purchased for us on the cross. So I'm going to stand in prayer. I'm going to lean into your call. Not just you leaning into mine. I'm going to lean into your call. I'm going to say, I'm going to take some strength. Well, what did they do? What Notice what Aaron and her did. Moses had an obvious call. He was the one that was supposed to win this battle in the Spirit. What did those two do? I love what they did. The first thing they did is they went and got a rock. They went and found a rock. They said, Moses, can you make it just one second? We got to get a rock. How big of a rock do you have to get that a man could simply sit on it? That's no small rock. It required both of them just to get the rock. They bring the rock and say, Moses, rest on the rock. You know what that is, that is pointing toward? That is pointing toward a a couple of men who said, I am going to give you the rock of the word of God to build and your life upon. Why don't you come and rest on the rock? Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, oh, but a wise man is one who hears these sayings of mine and does them. I liken him to one who builds his house on a rock. See, what we need is we need somebody to bring us the stone of God's word from time to time. It's the strengthening that comes through someone else with God's word on their mouth. Hebrews 3.12 says this. Brethren, beware lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But, here it is, exhort one another daily while it's still called today lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So we have become partakers of Christ if we hold on. Hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. What is is this saying? It's saying, listen, see to it that an evil heart of unbelief. What does that mean? I am actually believing. Unbelief is actually not believing God's word, but believing something else. How do we keep that evil heart of unbelief? It happens in community. By the way, let me help you with this. This extends beyond your husband and wife. Because Moses' wife was not up on the hill. It was his brother. It was her. It was some other people. There were extended relationships there. People who would bring the word. I love this. We also find here that when they carry that word and make sure that evil heart of unbelief, the answer is, it says, it says, "Do it today so that no one's heart gets hardened." Did you know the answer to keeping your heart softened? To the things of God and what God is doing. Is staying intimately connected with the body of Christ. It, 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 it seems to suggest. That not only do you need secret place prayer. But it seems to suggest that you need corporate prayer as well. And that, that the, the, the heart Will stay soft before the Lord out of relationship. I pray this is confronting your schedule. It should. It should. You say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm now seeing that there are some things that I need to reprioritize. Why? Because I recognize I'm in a war. I recognize the enemy's trying to get me out of peace. I'm recognizing I'm in a fight. However, I am trying to bring to you how we are going to win. We win this fight by fighting together with one another. Oh, there should be more shouts in this charismatic church. You know? All right. Notice what they did. They also supported his hands, one on one side and on the other. And his hands were steady. This is directly talking about the strength that comes through fellowship. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You don't do that by yourself. Hebrews 12, 12 says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. He is showing what happens, the healing, what that happens in the body when we minister to one another. Today, right after this service, You're going to have an opportunity to keep your heart soft. There are life groups right outside. Places to connect. Places that confront all of those things which we have been trying to, you know, to to figure out for a long time. I want to encourage you today, church. We need each other now more than ever. We need to be involved in one another's lives now more than ever. And my my even if it's saying hey i i my my finances are are in desperate condition, please use financial peace as your small group for the next semester and get to know those people and grow in that area. but if that's you've already done that or uh, you know you say, well, I, I really feel like some other things there's so there's like sixteen or seventeen options out there. It's time that we begin to stand side by side so that we can help one another answer. The call of God that's on our lives. The call of God that's on this church. Well, I told you that at the very end, you would understand why I called this the sound of victory. It's actually the final verse in Exodus 17 that I I read today. And it says this, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Well, at first glance, you just kind of read that and go, what does that have to do with a sound? Well, the Hebrew word for edge is mouth. If I were to read that literally, now you can't do that, that's not good interpretive uh, 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 you know, application to, to do this all of the time. But if I were to read it literally, it would read, and Joshua. Defeated the Amalekites with the mouth of the sword. Has anybody ever read Ephesians chapter six? which says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You want to know what the sound of victory is? It's when the church begins to know what the enemy is after to get us out of peace, to get us out of grace, to get us out of believing in God's goodness. It's when the church begins to reckon. the sound of victory is realizing, hey, we got to fight, but not the way the world fights, not the way culture fights. We're not going to protest. We're entering into praise. And our praise is going to begin to release a sound and a victory. And not only that, we're not doing it in rugged individualism. We are doing it biblically, standing arm in arm, hand in hand, seeing things one in the supernatural so they manifest in the natural. I was with a man this weekend, an unlikely man, who, who saw a multi-multi-million dollar renovation of the city of Buffalo take place. Because he was invited to pray for leaders. He actually went to dinner after getting a word from the Lord and said, God's going to use you to change this city. He got that word connected to another body. He went out to dinner the next night and the mayor walked in the door and said, He goes, oh, hi. He goes, oh, I'm Mayor so-and-so. He says, yeah, I recognize you from TV. And the mayor looks at him and said, sir, if you were to bring three changes to the city, what would they be? And his background was actually in urban development years ago before he was in ministry and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God just wrecked his whole life. He says, well, Mayor, I would do these three things. Here's this idea, this idea, and this idea. The mayor wrote them down. He said, tomorrow I want you in my office. We're going to meet and see if we can't implement these ideas. That unfolded, I'm telling you, a multi-million dollar renovation of the city of Buffalo where millionaires and some billionaires were actually believers and said, we believe that God wants to restore this city. I'm here to tell you that moment of prophetic assignment was released in in connection to a body and had he been disconnected he would have missed the word and missed his assignment listen church we Need one another, and we are going to release the sound of victory in this region as we get them on our mouth the word of God, the principles of God, as we declare as the church, uh, individually and together, this is God's way of doing things. We're going to see the Lord reshape this region for his glory.